You're listening to MPS Connections with Brian Bruton. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to MPS Connections. We are happy to bring to you episode number 12. And as I said at the conclusion of episode number 11, we had some hot topics that we were going to bring to you all. And we know that the next three or four topics are things that you are going to be very interested in. And we are bringing to you today a topic that we know is at the forefront of all of our psyches right now, which is school safety. And um, today we are bringing back a multi-time guest, Mr. Jeff Jaster, to be able to talk with you about that. Jeff, I'd have you introduce yourself to everyone with a deep, long intro, but people can go back to all the episodes that you were on and learn more about yourself. But, um, you know, everyone knows Jeff now. If you are a longtime listener of MPS Connections, he is our associate superintendent in charge of administrative and student services. And as such, school safety, the procedures, the pro- pro- protocols all fall within Jeff's area. So, Jeff, thanks for coming back to MPS Connections and being on our episode today. Sure. My pleasure. Right. And first-time guest, um, we have Officer Eddie Hinson with us today. Um, Eddie is one of the SROs in Midland Public Schools, and we'll get into those definitions. Um, but, Eddie, we are so happy that you could join us today. Thanks for taking time out of Midland High to be able to come talk to us. And one of the things that we do here on MPS Connections is have you talk just a little bit about yourself. You don't have to go deep into to, you know, like what your favorite ice cream and color is and things like that. You can if you want to. But if you could just give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself, um, what led you to being an SRO in Midland Public Schools, we'd appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. Um, again, Eddie Henson, uh, Midland Police Officer. Um, I have about 16 years of law enforcement experience, and the last four years I've been in Midland High School as a school resource officer. Were you always an officer in Midland, or were you an officer somewhere else before you came uh, here? Prior to the city of Midland, I was with Midland County. Okay, gotcha, the sheriff's department. department, gotcha, yep. Yep. Um, you know, being in the school for the last four years has been a big eye-opener for me. Um, it's something I always wanted to do. Uh, I like working with the, the students, the kids. Uh, another part of the school resource officer position is uh, going into the elementary schools, too, and teaching the D.A.R.E. Sure, um, sure. And, and obviously getting into those schools and talking about school safety, it's good to know, you know, the connections in those elementary schools. Also. Yeah, no doubt about it. Building those relationships is key, right? Also yes. portrays the Midland Police as, as your friends, right, as well, too. Correct, yep. So you're with Midland High, and you do cover some elementaries as well, too? I do. I cover Chestnut Hill right. for all the complaints that come through. Right. Um, and then our other school resource officers cover some other elementary schools. Right, right. I might pick on you a little bit about the D.A.R.E. program as well, sure. too, because, you know, I went back through that way back in the Stone Age in the day, and yeah. I'm sure it's evolved a little bit. Did you go through D.A.R.E., Mr. Jaster, back in the day as well, too? They didn't have it back then. Oh, see, okay, that kind of dates <laughs> Mr. Jaster there. And, and I, I may I be the <laughs> oldest one in the room. <laughs> right. So, and, I, and I can't move on, Eddie, because we always have to ask uh, what university or college you attended since we're focused on education. Every yeah. guest says Central. So is, is it Central for Eddie Henson or is it? It fit? is not. It's oh. Saginaw Valley State Saginaw University. Valley State. All right. There you go, Cardinals, right? Yeah. There we go. All right. Thanks, Eddie, again for being here. And thanks, Jeff, for being here as well. Thank too. you. Yep. All right, so we, we do want to start off on, on a little bit of a serious note, and we here at Midland Public Schools would like to express our deep and sincere condolences to all of those um, that were involved in the Oxford situation. And um, we really feel it here as a part of the educational community. Um, being close to home makes it hit just a little bit differently than some of the others. Not that we don't express our condolences and concerns to all the others, but it just really kind of hits a little bit different, you know, when it's only a jaunt down I-75. And so we here at Midland Public express our deepest sympathies and our support 
for all those that um, had to go through what they did at Oxford, um, especially staff, students, stakeholders, parents, but also the first responders as well, too, because uh, we also know um, that having to deal with that type of a situation is um, especially impactful on all of those first responders. So from Midland Public to um, our educational colleagues at Oxford, our condolences. We're here to support you and wish you the best um, in your very long road to recovery from that terrible, terrible incident. So moving on from that, all right, we, we'd like to shift from that and talk a little bit about the Midland Public Schools. And so um, in Midland Public Schools, long before Oxford um, even happened, we, we had a focus on enhancing our safety measures, really from a couple of standpoints, from kind of an infrastructure standpoint and from a procedural standpoint. Um, and so, Jeff, I'll hit at you first. Can you talk a little bit about um, those two avenues? Let's hit infrastructure first. Some of the improvements that Midland Public has made along the way and able to enhance our safety procedures, protocols, and preparation. Sure. So I guess I'll start with some of the uh, items that were in place pre-MPS bond passed in 2018. Um, we, we have always had certain amount of required safety drills. The state of Michigan, our Midland County emergency manager uh, sort of audits us and keeps us honest on those. And we, as a district, I think have been very good and um, proactive, forward thinking, if you will, with how we do those drills. Try to do as, um, you know, without going to the extent that you're going to scare children, but we've tried to do realistic um, Drills where we can, simulations, things like that have always been helpful. Um, on the infrastructure front, we have had camera systems in place for well over 10 years. Um, <clears throat> recently, though, with the passing of the bond, we've upgraded those systems, and now we have greater coverage across the district. All buildings have camera systems in place, and we have greater access uh, by staff in the district to, to see those things. Um, as far as other items, I know that, um, again, after the bond passed, there was a huge focus on secure entrances. Every building has secure entrances. During the school day, you're only going to have one entrance open. Uh, it usually goes right into the main office. That way, guests and visitors can be monitored closely. Yeah, it's easy for us to, to forget what it looked like for before sure. the bond um, because, you know, I don't want to say all of our buildings, you'll know that better than I did, but most of them had um, very different setups than they do now. And, you know, one sure. of the very first things I know that MPS did was to make that, you know, kind of like a Sally Port type entrance from, you know, you have to able to go through a double set of doors to be able to get in and out, right? Yep. Yep. In that, in schools, you know, 15, 20 years ago, were wide open. You know, they encouraged right. parents to come in. Sure. Frankly, parents would just walk down to classrooms at times. And, yeah. that, you know, those days are behind us. Yeah. Um, we can't do the that open anymore. concept was a thing, but no more. Correct. Right. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, secure entrances is key. Along with those secure entrances, we, we have the technology for swipe access for staff. Um, in fact, student badges can be programmed specific times of day to allow students access to certain entrances sure. as well. But right now, again, the, the main point is there's only one point of access during school hours. Other items that came from the bond, um, door boots, those are talked about a lot. Security system um, that our staff and students practice with now with, with drills. Um, they use those door boots. It's essentially a barricading device. Um, we have in main offices, you know, window film to help uh, reinforce strength in the glass, make sure it's, you know, one-inch thick glass. It's certainly shatterproof, and it, it's... Um, I don't know if it's impossible to break, but difficult to break glass. I mentioned the camera upgrades. We have new radios and phone systems. Um, 
radios can call into a classroom, phones can call into a classroom. We have this technology that works back and forth to help increase communication. And then I think just overall, we have done a much better job of making staff more aware of all these things and how they, uh, in in total, come together to help provide more safety and security for the buildings. Right. And, you know, something that we've learned is that it really is kind of like a layered concept, right? For and sure. a lot of the things that we've done to, I'm using terms out of my expertise here, but harden the target, right? Yep. Um, th- those all help as well, too. But one of the things that um, became apparent that really helped mitigate some of the uh, terrible things that happened at Oxford was the safety drill training. People said that, you know, the procedures that were in place helped save lives, an immeasurable amount of lives. And so you hit that, Jeff, that, you know, the boots that we have are a part of our procedures that we have in. And it's no secret to anyone that we're using procedures called ALICE, right? And so, Jeff, Eddie, I know that you all are the experts on this. Can, Can you talk us through what Alice looks like um, just from a general type of concept. I'm not asking you to give up any Midland Public School secrets on how we're specifically doing things, but just from a concept of how Alice is, how it works, and what that looks a little different from how it used to be before some of the research of these events has led to this new kind of evolution in safety procedures. Sure. I'll hand this off to Eddie in a second, but I'll just start with this. Um, Alice, it's an acronym, stands for ALERT, Lockdown, Inform, counter and evacuate. And those items um, are all part of a safety response and it's not sequential. Any of those can happen in any order. I think that's the key. So um, our administrators in every building have gone through ALICE training. In fact, most of them, uh, soon to be all, will be ALICE certified trainers themselves. Uh, We have a few actually this week who are attending training. But um, those concepts in those elements of the safety response are reinforced with staff, you know, PD time when we do safety drills. And, and to a degree, uh, kids are brought in and trained on those concepts as well. They, they may not have the same depth of the conversation that the trainers and the staff have, but kids at least have surface level knowledge of how Alice uh, at least those concepts can be used to help keep them safer right. in, in the event of a tragedy. So um, what I'll commend the MPD on is they actually brought Alice to us several years ago. Right, right. And I think that'd be a good place to hand off to Eddie just from his perspective. How right. It, how it helps. I remember that training, too. I remember yep. we gathered all the Midland Public Schools people right into Central <laughs> Auditorium before social distancing was a must. Yep. Right. We had everyone there. and We had our officers, you know, up on stage partnering with us to help train us through that. So, you know, um, before we, we dive too deep into Alice, Eddie, I'd like to, you know, just talk about SROs in general, and then then we'll kind of sidebar back to where you were, Jeff, as well, too. So, you know, SROs, as we say, are school resource officers, um, were enhanced here in Midland Public Schools when we passed an additional countywide enhancement millage. There were always two, if I'm saying this accurately, Jeff and Eddie, is that right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, so there were always two, and they were at the high schools but covered others as well, too. And then when the countywide enhancement which passed, then we added some officers as well, too. So, Eddie, can you just talk about the role of SROs, um, what what your job functions essentially are, and then we'll, we'll kind of circle back to where Jeff was as well, too. Sure, and I'll just start by saying there's four school resource officers okay. in, the, yep. in the city of Midland, or the city schools. Um, there's myself at Midland High, and then there's Brian Soule at Dow High. Andrew Hawkins is at Northeast, and then Jay Gaytrell is at Jefferson. Okay. 
Um, and then we divide up the elementaries. But the biggest role is a school resource officer. What I'm finding out after four years is not only we're in there for safety and security for staff and students um, and provide that educational learning environment, but it's to build those relationships like you've touched on. And, right. that's, and then I see that after the four years, when you build those relationships, students come to you um, and, and they have that sense of if they see something that's not right or out of place, they come to one of us, either myself or another administrator. Um, <clears throat> but my main job, obviously, when I get to the school, and a lot of people don't know that my office is at the school. Oh, a lot okay. Of, a lot of the parents don't Are know Are all four that. officers offices in the school? Correct. Yep. Yep. Uh, a lot of parents don't know that, and uh, they, I think they, you know, I've talked to them before where they see us pull up in the morning, and they, they don't know if we're just in there for a few minutes and take off, and so um, I've, I've explained that to a lot of them, and now I think it's getting out that, hey, our office is here, we're here the whole day, you know, the, for the school day, um, and, you know, when it's, my, my main, one of my main goals is to be visible, right, um, whether that's the car out front to, you know, as a sense of security for, uh, the students and the staff, but also just to walk around the schools. I pop into the classrooms. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have uh, some of the teachers uh, have me in and, and speak to the kids, sure, the sure. students. Yep. So um, it's it's been great. And building the relationship, like I said, is I think is the biggest part of it. Right. So really, like like a two a twofold right uh, objectives here. One, it's great to have the officer on staff on site right there in the moment if you need it, right? We, we've right. learned through research and studying these horrible events that time is of the essence, seconds mm-hmm. of the, is of the essence, and having our officer on site is, is 100% critical um, in, in terms of, of mitigation. But then the right. proactive approach, Eddie, like you said as well too, you know, to, to try and establish relationships ahead of time and hopefully open up you know, venues of communication where people are able to share right. a little bit more, you know, see something, say something. We have an officer right there. And hopefully with those relationship pieces, you're passing people in eyeball alley all the time, but you can have those conversations, right? right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, what, 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 a, what a valuable resource to have at, at all of our secondary buildings. And we appreciate that from um, the generosity of our voters to be able to have those resources in our building. So sure. um, since I went out of sequence, I'll circle back to you, Jeff, a little bit on Alice, and we'll hit that a little bit as well, too. You know, back in the day when I was in the classroom a decade ago, plus ago, um, <laughs> it, it, it was a very different looking response to any type of these situations. Um, it used to be, you know, lockdown drill, hide in the corner, that's it. It, that's not Alice, is it, Jeff? No, not no. at all. It's yeah. it's a much more um, active um, response is what we're looking for from, from folks. In fact, the last um, letter in, in Alice, evacuate the part of the acronym, is in fact one of the first things we would want kids to do if that was an option. Right. So, again, it's not sequential, and you, and you want people to um, – consider and evaluate the circumstances. And, and I'm not suggesting we want all the students to do their own thing. The teacher is still going to lead that, um, being the, the lead in the classroom. But all students are going to have some um, expectation of how they're going to be involved as well. Right. And so it is important. And um, I think that, you know, the model that you mentioned, certainly it was proven to be very outdated uh, and, and not effective going all the way back to the the Columbine right. era. And mm-hmm. So that's when things started to change. And, you know, in those emergency situations, we, we want people to do in the moment what they feel is going to give them the best chance to get out of a building, get out of a circumstance or situation that's dangerous to them. And so 
therefore, that you know, this acronym is perfect and just keeping people informed and educated about this and making it a part of our routine practice is the key. Right. Eddie, are you a part of those drills when they happen in the school? Like, are you working alongside administration to monitor, advise, et cetera, and help out when those drills happen? Yep, absolutely. And um, and like Jeff has stated, the acronym, it doesn't go in order. So a lot of okay. people have that misconception of uh, it goes in order, and that's not the case. Um, but uh, during your professional development days, mm-hmm. uh, myself and uh, usually Mr. Wenzel at Midland High, speaking at Midland High, right. um, uh, we do refreshers. And uh, when I say refreshers, we do little scenarios with the staff. Um, we've touched briefly on the boot system that's been installed. Sure. Uh, Midland High is currently getting that put in. Yep. Um, not not every classroom has it, but um, that's actually on the to-do list um, yep. for for the high school. So we're going to do a little training on that. Good, good. So a couple more threads that, that we're going to hit here. Um, I, I'd be remiss, and I would definitely be criticized if I didn't try and address some of the other proactive approaches we've taken. So we've, we've talked about hardening the infrastructure and all those things you talked about, Jeff, they're, they're great to have. The new procedures and the drills that Midland Public, you know, partners with the Midland Police Department on as well, too. But we also know that at the root of a lot of these are, are social, emotional issues as well, too, right? It, usually if something like this comes to fruition, there usually is some sort of a social, emotional uh, component to it. So, um, you know, Eddie, I won't put you on the spot with this one because this is more Jeff's jurisdiction, but are, are there things that Midland Public has done to try and enhance social-emotional supports for students um, exacerbated by the pandemic, even before the pandemic, some of those type of things that we've done to try and help kids along. Sure. Yeah, we, we have been working in that direction for years, but I think um, the pandemic and, and, frankly, just all of the mental health issues that have arisen just from COVID and isolation, all those um, impacts on students have been seen and felt. And because of it, not just our district, but many districts are investing more in student supports. You know, here we've we've hired numerous student support specialists. We have programming for um, for our staff to to learn more about mental health issues that kids will be dealing with. I think just in general, the the staff have gotten better at identifying concerns and red flags and watching out for kids. And so it, it's certainly a more proactive look at what is happening in the lives of kids. And I think all of that together with the SRO program, the infrastructure, right. and just all the things we do, it's a, it's a more of a comprehensive approach. For to sure, safety. like we said, you know, many layers to all of this and, and each of them having an impact on trying to promote, you know, uh, enhancing safety altogether. All right, two more threads because I'm coming up on my magical 20-minute mark. You know, our data said after 20 minutes, you're sick of hearing my voice. So I'm going uh, to go over that a little bit today, I know it, because there's two more topics that I think that we need to hit pretty hard. Um, a, a couple of weeks back, I don't remember the specific date, the attorney general for the state of Michigan released a video um, after the Oxford incident. Um, many, many copycat type incidents happened a- across um, schools in Michigan. And the attorney general released a, if you do and you get caught, here are some of the consequences that you have. And that's prompting me to try and get you, Jeff and Eddie, to talk about this more from a, a, a Midland perspective. You know, Midland isn't immune from any type of these things as well, too, um, you know, in terms of copycat incidents. If something like that were to happen, Jeff and Eddie, um, Jeff, from a school perspective, you get a call from school A and they say, you know, we were made aware of an incident that happened something like this. Mm -hmm. 
you are the administrator downtown or from the administration center, they would say, that has to deal with these type of things. Can you inform the public, our listeners, of what that looks like from your end and some of the potential outcomes? And then, Eddie, I'm going to hit you from the, le- from the legal side as well, too, because I know that you all are completely involved in that. So, Jeff, hit it, and then, sure. Eddie, I'll, I'll prompt you on that. Sure. I think the first thing to say is just that we are going to take all those reports seriously. Right. Um, and initially, uh, it's going to generally lead to a removal of the student while there can be time to investigate, look into this further. And then um, based on the direction that that goes, we involve others. We do involve the SROs. We certainly contact parents. We'll make a determination once um, these reports, you know, generally reports first go to buildings and then they come to central office. But working in partnership with the buildings, we'll make a determination on what communication needs to happen, to, whether it's to staff, to parents in, around the district. Um, and, and the reason I say we'll do work on that in, in partnership is because we also want to consider what facts or information do we have at our disposal that is truly credible information. We don't want to be part of spreading rumors or giving misinformation. So initially, uh, there's a lot of discussion about what that communication piece is going to look like. I also would add that... Um, you know, investigations aren't necessarily things that are just going to be over with in the course of a school day. Yeah, it it may time, take right? several days, and so we may not know a final outcome um, specifically for the student if we if we refer to these um, as, you know, the offenders in this case, somebody who makes a threat or, you know, threatens harm against a school. It could take several days to get all the information, but I think the key is we want to move swiftly. We're going to treat them all serious. There is going to be a removal of that student <clears throat> to make sure that we have time to investigate. And then depending on which way it goes, we, we have some other factors to consider when it comes down to the point of, you know, what does the consequence look like? The age of the student, if, if they have a disability of some kind, you know, was this a, a comment made in anger because somebody was teasing the kid or, or was this a premeditated thought out? you know, threat that was made. So all these factors are considered before the final consequence occurs. Do we involve mental health professionals in this at all either? For sure. And I, I'll back up and just say there are really two key components after the reports come in and the student is removed. Uh, certainly, as I referenced, we get the SROs involved and they do home safety checks and make right. sure students um, don't have access to weapons or a dangerous item that they shouldn't have access right. to. Let's hand that over to Eddie right now yep. as well, too. So, you know, it, somewhere throughout this process, Jeff, like you said, mm-hmm. it, it isn't always sequential in terms of Correct. A, B, then C, then D. I know that always a call or a conversation happens with one of our SROs, right? And so when, when you become involved, Eddie, what does that look like from from your end, from the, the legal end, from the police department? What are some steps that you all take? So when an administrator contacts me um, at the school, I'll sit down with them and that student or a student that brought the information to us. Yep. Um, we'll figure out, you know, um, what was said and if, it, if it's a credible threat. Um, but, again, the investigation takes a longer longer time than a lot of people think. Sure. It's not over in yeah, just a no few No need minutes. to go fast on them, right? Right. right. Be thorough. Yeah, we have to cross the T's and dot all the I's. For sure. Um, as a department. Um, so... One of the things, like Jeff had mentioned, is a is a a home safety check, and that's that is what that looks like. Is when I call a parent and say, "Hey, student A made this comment," and the parents are usually, uh, most of the time, honestly, uh, very fortunate. 
they let us come in and do a home safety check, or we'll ask them if they have any sort of access to weapons. Okay. If they do not, then they don't. If they do, um, or, you know, if there's weapons in the home, we will go out there, and, and as long as they're uh, okay with it, and a lot of them are, like I said, very cooperative, and we just make sure it's just that one extra step mm-hmm. that it doesn't take any time to do. Let's sure. figure this out and make our school safe, right? For sure, for sure. So, yeah, so in terms then, Jeff, of discipline, right, every situation is unique, but there's a range, right? Sure. It, it, it could be all the way from A to B, all, all the way up to expulsion. Does that For happen sure. in some cases? For sure. Um, you know, building administrators have the authority to give up to 10 days of suspension, so they'll do a removal as the assistant superintendent. I'm authorized to add time to that. I can add another 50 days. Anything that might go beyond 60, if that is truly a recommendation, if there was truly a credible threat, we are probably going to get to that step where we're looking for a long-term removal. Anything that would go over 60 days requires action of the board, so we would bring in a subcommittee of the board to hear uh, the evidence that was collected, um, more about the specific um, incident itself, the threat, and then they will weigh in and make a decision. So, yes, it can, it can lead all the way up to that. Typically, um, I would say, you know, when this has been involving young kids, we, we have had students as young as kindergarten or first grade make a, a comment or th- something that would be considered threatening um, just by society standards. Sure. But when you consider all the factors that they don't really have access to any weapons, we do home safety checks, we have them meet with the community mental health uh, representative for a risk assessment. When you consider all those factors, often we can get a, a younger student where they've said something most of the time out of anger towards another, get them back to school a little bit sooner. But, you know, hate to say that there is less um, understanding or less tolerance for the older kids, but, but the reality is a five-year-old saying something versus an 18-year-old is going to be treated much differently. The 18-year-old's comments are going to be taken much more serious and likely result in a bigger consequence uh, up to removal. Right. And speaking out of expertise area, Eddie, it it could be anything from a home safety check, probably all the way up to an arrest, right? And then beyond that is the prosecutor um, and what they would like to do. Again, speaking out of my area, expertise. Yep. Um, So I guess I'll kind of get back. After the home safety check, I would then, as a school resource officer, type a report. Okay. That report is the whole investigation. And, I mean, that could that could involve a lot of students, right? If a student said a, a comment or made a threatening comment uh, in a classroom, now we're talking witnesses. Sure. You know, and people in the, in the bystanders that overheard it. So I have to contact all those people um, or students. Um, and then it, that report goes on the prosecutor's office. They review it, and it goes from there. Um but, yeah, it, it's one of those things where our, our biggest thing as a school resource officer, again, is to make sure those students and the staff are safe. Right. And I'm going to do everything we can. You For know, sure. And, right. And make sure that happens. So revolving back to, to one of the very initial threads that we talked about in all of this is, is establishing relationships because we want people to say things, right? Um, not always, but usually um, there's usually some sort of an indicator um, that these things may be potentially about to occur. And I know that there's lots of different ways that any stakeholder, a parent, a community member, someone who's just scrolling through social media and sees something or students themselves um, hear or see or read something that they feel might be a little bit out of uh, touch and a little bit scary. So Jeff, Eddie, how is it that a stakeholder, a student, someone, a community member 
would report something that they see as a little bit um, concerning to them. Sure. So <clears throat> just initially, I would make this comment. The see something, say something message for sure has gotten out to our stakeholders because Good. the vast majority of complaints that come into buildings are student-driven complaints. So I think they do a good job. Um, they're very aware of uh, comments that their peers make. Certainly they, they have a, a good sense of what's right and what's wrong, and they do report it. Um, and so most of the time, greater than 90% of the time, our administrators are receiving reports directly from kids. But outside of the school, there are other ways to do so. You know, okay to say um, the communicate, uh, or not the communicate, the talk to us feature on okay. MPS. There, there are several other ways that involve technology that reports can be made, even anonymously. Um, but certainly we prefer to have somebody to go talk to who was a witness and, and really make sure we have good information as we start to look into these things. Right. Can someone just call the police department, Eddie? Is that an acceptable thing to do with um, uh, some sort of a concern? Yep, absolutely. And uh, so if it's a, just a patrol officer working shift, they will make contact with one of us school resource officers, and it goes from there. Very um, good. Just, to, just a quick additional on the okay to say, uh, when the kids report that, or students report that, or a parent, whoever reports that, it's a Michigan State police system. Okay. And then, and then they contact that jurisdiction. Right. Wherever that uh, the threat occurred. Good to know. So, Good to know. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely violated my internal time limit rule. I said I was going to be right around the 20-minute mark, but we're, we're hitting 30 minutes. But you know what? That's okay because this topic is extremely important. We could probably talk for hours and hours and hours and go deeper and deeper. But what we really wanted to do was um, you know, get the message out that MPS and the MPD are taking this seriously. Um, we have a, a very comprehensive layered approach in place to try and provide the safest environment that we, that we possibly can. And we need you as community partners to also help us with that as well, too. You know, as Jeff said, see something, say something. As uh, Officer Hinson said, call anyone, anytime, and the, and the message will get to us and help us keep our kids safe. Um, Eddie, I'm not going to let you off the hook um, well, I'm going to let you off the hook for today, but I'm not going to let you off the hook uh, for the rest of time because I do want to come back to Dare. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll get you back on. Maybe some of your other colleagues you can you can get them involved in the podcast as well too because I think that's a great sure. podcast topic for a couple episodes down the line. You need to come back for us and help talk about Dare at some point. Absolutely. All right, appreciate that. Okay, so we're going to wrap this episode up because I just hit the 30 minute mark on the clock, and I know again. Little too long, but that's okay. This is an important topic. Join us next episode, number 13. We are going to bring to you information about the new elementary accelerated gifted talented program that's going to be in place next year in MPS. Um, you're not going to want to miss that if you are the parent of an elementary student or if you're just curious and you have older students and want to hear what's going on about that as well too. That is planned to be in place for next school year. This isn't a couple of years out. And with decisions about enrollment coming up pretty quickly, that's going to be a topic that is going to be of utmost importance. So we will have Jen Service back on. She's going to bring some colleagues with her as well, too. And they're going to debut some information about that new program, and you're not going to want to miss that. So, Eddie, um, thank you very much for coming. One final time, I appreciate you being here. Jeff, I know you'll be back on because you, I think you are like a record holder right now and guests as well, too. And thank you to all you listeners for tuning in. If you stuck in there for the full 31 minutes and 20 seconds we're coming up on right now, Thank you much. Um, important topic, and we appreciate you hanging in there with us. Stay safe, everyone. We'll talk to you next time.
Thanks for listening to MPS Connections. We release new episodes on the first and third Thursday of almost every month. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date on the most current events happening around the district. You can find us in all the popular venues, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts.